0: At Gates, we are passionate about the Word of God. We hope the message you are about to listen to empowers you today. Thank you, you and Miss Becky, for having me again. And uh, I love being at Word First. I love seeing all your beautiful faces. As a matter of fact, just turn to somebody and tell them this. If it wasn't for you being here tonight, I'd be the best-looking person here. <laughs> <laughs> when, when Pastor Bert was talking about We are enforcers I can't, I can't get Dirty Harry out of my mind now. I, I had a situation happen years ago When we were all living out in San Angelo And uh, uh, it was a Sunday morning I, I, Actually it was Sunday right after church And so I was in my I might have been 19, 20 years old And so I was broke You know, it's usually what you are when you're that age and uh, so I asked my mom, I said, "Y'all got any money? I want to go to lunch with a friend. And they had had a garage sale at their house the last couple of days before. And so she said, yeah, in our dining room, we've got a little Tupperware thing with some cash in it. Go get you some. So me and my friend went over to my parents' house. I walked in the front door, and there are two guys stealing stuff in the house. And it took me a second to figure out what was going on because they were kind of way back, in the way back part of the house. And, uh, and I finally, it, I realized... Oh, they're thieves in here. Okay, so I just started heading toward them, and they run out the back door. Well, I knew where my dad kept his pistol, and uh, so I went and apprehended the named pistol. And and this is where I imagine I'm Dirty Harry. You know, this is a 44 Magnum, the most powerful handgun in the world, could take a man's head clean off. I've shot this gun maybe five, six times. I really don't remember. But you've got a question to ask yourself. Do I feel lucky? Well, do you, punk? But instead, I sounded like Barney Fife. Now, listen here. I'm armed and dangerous. And I'm like, what's wrong with me? Why is Don Knotts coming out instead of Clint Eastwood? Fortunately, uh, they had... They had F- fled the house, and uh, I didn't have to do anything like that, but uh, <laughs> just because you said enforcer, that whole thing came up, but anyway, glad, glad to be here with you tonight, I'm very excited, I send greetings from my beautiful wife, Heather, she couldn't be here, she, she works at a wedding venue, and so she had some weddings to participate in, and, uh, but she sends her love to you, and we just recently had our third grandchild, a grandson, Coda Rock is his name. Is that kid destined for greatness or what? And um, he was born December 1st, and he is an absolute delight. So of all the things that I've been called in my life, Poppy is my favorite name. So I'm happy to be that. I know I look way too young to be a grandfather. Thank you very much. Take your Bible and go to Numbers chapter 23 if you would. Are these cool shoes or what? Aren't those rad? Hmm? look at the bottoms. (laughs) I can run real fast in these, but I've never tried. Numbers 23. Now, before we start reading uh, in verse 18, I got to give you a little bit of backstory here. And I think many of you are probably familiar with this story, but this is a story about Israel has, well, um, can't say any better than this. They've been kicking butt and taking names. And They're still under Moses at this time, and they've been taking over these cities and these these nations, heading toward the promised land. And now they come to the plains of, of Moab, and there's a king there by the name of Balak. Everybody say Balak. Balak is... Shaking in his boots over this because he sees this people that are increasing. He he's heard about all of their victories and all of the other nations' defeats, and now they're on his threshold. And here's this king. He doesn't know what to do except call a sorcerer by the name of Balaam. And Balaam was ha, definitely uh, had a powerful reputation at that time because what this king had heard about Balaam is he said, "I hear that whoever you curse is cursed, and whoever you bless is blessed." So I need you to come and curse this people so that we can have some kind of advantage over them. So um, through a process, I don't have time to get into it, but his donkey ended up talking to him and they had this conversation, <laughs> this is a bizarre story, and finally Balaam gets there and, and four times this guy takes him to four different places to look out over Israel to curse them and all of those times failed because Balaam had been given a word by the Lord to say something specific. It always had to do with blessing the people. And Balak is beside himself. I cannot believe you've done this, and now I'm done for. But I want to look at the second time that they, that they come to, he takes them up to this second place after the first failure. And, and it has to go through this whole process. They have to build seven altars and, and, sac- and sacrifice seven bulls and seven rams and, as a burnt offering. And then as Balak is standing by the offering, he says, I'll be right back. I've got to go see what the Lord has to say. Now, he's a sorcerer, but God has apprehended this sorcerer for his purpose. Verse 18 says, then he took up his oracle and said, rise up, Balak, and hear. listen to me, son of Zippor. That's who Balak's dad was. God is not a man that he should lie, nor a son of man that he should repent. Has he said, and will he not do? Or has he spoken, and will he not make it good? Behold, I have received a command to bless. He has blessed, and I can't reverse it. Now, going off of this theme from Deuteronomy chapter 28, verse 8, it's interesting that you brought up the definition because that's something I was soaking in in putting this message together. And I thought one of the interesting phrases in the definition of command is to give charge to. So the way I I, I interpret that is that the Lord has given His blessing authority over our lives. The blessing of God now is in charge of your life. Whoa. The blessing of God has been given charge over your life. You know that grace is reigning over you, right? Is grace a blessing? Yeah. You better believe it is. Where would we be without it? Yes. Hmm? Grace is an amazing blessing. I, I like what uh, Romans six fourteen says. It says, sin shall not have dominion over you. You're not under law. You're under grace. Amen. So grace is reigning. Say, grace is reigning over me. Grace. Say, the blessing is reigning over me. So this blessing of God is in charge of your life. Now the blessing of God is in charge of your stuff. It says the storehouses. The blessing of God is in charge of what you set your hand to. Uh, it, it's, it's in charge of so many aspects of your life, but the blessing of God carries with it some instruction. And this is what Pastor Burt was talking about. We have a part to play in this. And that is to hear, how do I, how do I tap into? and stay in that commanded blessing. These instructions that come from the blessing of God are many times uh, illogical instructions. And so that's why it's going it's to take faith, because faith, hear me here, faith is poised in God's logic, not man's. And that's why the Bible uh, tells us clearly we walk by faith, not by what? Notice it didn't say we, we walk by faith, not by fear. It says we walk by faith, not by sight. Because your eyes can only tell you what's before you, right? And that's how, in a lot of ways, we measure logic by the things that we see, as, because we see things as they are, right? That makes sense on one round, but, but God's logic doesn't see it like that. And that's why you need faith, because it's poised in God's logic, so that you can hear these, what we would deem, illogical instructions, that things that, that would go against our own nature or even uh, th- doesn't make sense to our senses. Yeah. I'm a part of a church in, in McKinney called Converge Church, and I've been going there a few months now, and uh, my pastor, Pastor Ray Harmon, is a, a graduate from RHEMA, and he and his wife, Wendy, have a wonderful ministry there. And he had been pastoring in, in Plano for uh, several years. They were meeting in a movie theater. And then when, when COVID hit, they had to abandon the, that building. And so they were meeting in these small groups. And, and he came to a conclusion that somewhere along the way, he was taking instructions from the wrong people. Now, he had good people in his church and a, a good board of people and influential people, but he realized that they were pulling him off track of the original vision that God had given them. So when he and his wife, Wendy, realized this, they went to prayer. They said, Lord, we, we need your help. You know, we repent for, 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 for doing this. Help us. What, what do we do from here? And it was at that time while they were seeking the Lord that the Lord just gave them a whole new vision. They changed their name to Converge Church. I don't have time to go into why. It's a really cool story. But So then they get instruction from the Lord to go 17 miles north to McKinney, Texas, and rent from another church and start Saturday night services. Now, i got to tell you, I pastored in McKinney for 11 years. Saturday night services don't work well there. And so I immediately felt empathy for him when he told me this. I was like, oh, gosh. And so they're there Saturday nights, far away from where he originally thought they were supposed to be, and he's following this illogical instruction. They're in faith, and he says, I'm up there preaching, and there's five people in the room. And, and this struggle continues, it continues, and it continues. He said, but, but we, we stayed, we really believe that the Lord told us to be here. Well, what they didn't know is that the church that was there were working on a way to get out. They were a, a satellite church of a really large church there in the metroplex, and so Their ministry was not prospering there, so they concluded that they needed to sell the building and get out of there. Unbeknownst to Pastor Rand Wendy, and then the time came when this church had to meet with him and said, "Listen, here's our here's our predicament. Uh, It's you're you're either going to need to move out, or you can buy this property for nine million dollars. Nine million dollars." Six years before this happened, there's a young man who served faithfully in their church, he was there every Sunday, and somewhere along the way, his wife left him and left the kids with him, and he fell on hard times. He was working, trying to keep his head above the water, trying to stay uh, involved in the church, and one day he called Pastor Ray and said, I, I hate to do this, but can you help me? I need some new tires for my pickup. My tires are bald, and I hate driving around my little kids with these tires. And so Pastor Ray and Wendy, through the church, were able to help them get some tires. The man was so grateful for it. And then something happened in his life. He's some kind of IT expert, and he got in this thing about building an app, and almost overnight became a multimillionaire. Pastor Ray told me, he said he would, he would come and, and show me on his computer his bank statements. He said, I was like, what in the world? And then when Pastor Ray and Wendy presented the need to the church, this young man gave the church $9 million. And here they are debt-free today. Listen, uh, it's going to seem illogical and it might be for a while. But listen, the blessing is already commanded. And if you'll believe that, and if you'll walk by faith and not by what you're seeing, and not by your own human reasoning or human logic, this is where God gets to show off through you. So believe that word, because his whole word is a blessing. His son is a blessing. So for follow those illogical instructions for the blessed life. Now, let's keep going. Now, look at this. Now, here he is speaking on behalf of God, Balaam. And he says that first thing, right? He says, God is not a man that he should lie. He's commanded the blessing. I cannot reverse it. And then he says, he has not, talking about God, God has not observed iniquity in Jacob, nor has he seen wickedness in Israel. And that's where go, I go, I'm sorry, I've got a problem with that statement. You can go two chapters back to chapter 21 and all you see is God observing iniquity and transgression in Jacob. I'm in Israel because they they start complaining. They start complaining against God and Moses. And so God says, all right. So he sends these poisonous snakes into the camp and these snakes start biting people and people are dying. And finally they realize, oh, we've sinned. Moses, uh, help us. So then God instructs him, instructs him to build this bronze serpent, put it on a pole and whoever had been bitten and looked at that snake would instantly be healed. And they were. And that is, a, that is a type and shadow of the Lord Jesus Christ on the cross as he taught in John chapter 3, that all who look to him, amen, shall be healed, shall be saved, shall live and not die. What's the deal with this? Here he is telling this king of Moab, there ain't nothing wrong with these people. I see no iniquity. And I have not observed wickedness. Well, here's what we have to understand. This is a family thing. God's going to deal with his people in his own way. But when God's speaking to your enemy about you, he sees nothing but perfection. It's good to be in the family of God. Years ago, and I'm not trying to brag on myself, but I kind of am. I was in the sixth grade. My brother was in the fifth grade, and we lived out in San Angelo. We went to a little elementary school called Stephen F. Austin Elementary. And my brother went head over heels for this little girl by the name of Carrie Bautista. As soon as he saw a Mexican girl, he asked the Lord, can I have one of those? (laughs) And he has one. But he saw her and he just fell in love. Well, the problem was there's another kid in his class named Andy Carrasco and Andy wasn't having any of it for two reasons. First of all, white boy you ain't got no business in our world and number two andy had a crush on her so andy proposed a challenge that is to fight brandon after school for the right to have carrie bautista i didn't know anything about this at the time so right before school ends i have to go to uh, I tried to play in the orchestra I was trying to play the violin. This is the only instrument my dad discouraged me from playing. I can remember being in my room one day and I'm back there, eh, 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 and he comes in and he's like, That's enough. <laughs> anything else, son. Just anything else. He was right. I was terrible at it. But I was trying. So, I, well, uh, while I'm, I'm in that class and we're trying to wrap things up, behold, across the street from the schoolyard, they're in the yard of a house, a residential home, and there's a whole circle of students, and there's Andy. And there's my brother, and my brother knows that he's no match for Andy. And as I come out of the, the front doors of the school, I see what's going on, and I run. I run as hard as I can. I've got that violin <laughs> pushing my glasses. I'm coming. Now, listen, I'm, I was the smallest kid in my class. I wasn't some giant. I mean, I, I was scared, but I was not afraid to stand up for my brother. And so I came bursting through that circle and sucked Andy right in the face and knocked him on his butt, and it was over. Because I can beat up my brother, but Andy, you can't. (laughs) Huh? This is what God is talking about. This is a family thing. The New Testament seems to have these rose-colored glasses when it comes to us. One example, King David Romans says that David is a man after my own heart, for he will do all of my will. Uh, Lord, I read a story about a lady named Bathsheba that David had an affair with, and then he had her husband killed. Was that your will? And here's what David says. David, by the Spirit of God, is looking forward to art. Our... Can we bring up Romans right quick? He says, uh, Romans chapter 4, verse what, verse 6, just as David also describes the, what, blessedness of the man to whom God imputes righteousness apart from work. Now, this is a real powerful lesson that Paul Paul, the verse before this, Paul says, <clears throat> but to him who does not work, but believes on him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is accounted for righteousness. You know what Paul just taught us there? Faith without works is righteousness. James teaches faith without works is dead. Apostle Paul teaches faith without works is righteousness. And he said God imputes righteousness apart from works. Now watch this. And this this is what David says, verse 7. Blessed, everybody say blessed. blessed. Blessed are those whose lawless deeds are forgiven and whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord shall not impute sin. Aren't you grateful for that? David's talking about your day he's talking about this day because of the Lord Jesus Christ because that blood has been applied no longer is our God holding our sins against us and I want to quote my dad Dr. Holler tonight Uh, today he and my mother would have been married 52 years so amen (laughs) it also happens to be the 29th anniversary of my first date with Heather so it's a pretty cool day but I want to quote him. I was, I pulled up a note of his and it was right here, right here as I'm working on this message. I thought that was so, so cool. He says, it does not say, Blessed is the man who does not sin. Sometimes we need to see what it does not say so that we can better grasp the powerful truth in what it does say. If a man doesn't sin, then the Lord does not impute sin to him. Well, where's the blessing in that? If he hasn't sinned, the Lord says, there's no, well, he earned that, right? If he hasn't sinned, this is good. Getting wages for your work isn't a blessing. You simply get what is rightfully yours. This blessing is the Lord will not impute sin. Hallelujah. And it's basically what it's saying is whether you've sinned or not, and especially actually because you have the lord is not going to impute sin because behold the lamb of god who has taken away the sins of the world then it goes on in uh, verse 20 here in, in Romans 4 it says he's talking about Abraham now he did not waver at the promise of god through unbelief what there's a guy named Ishmael you kind of jumped ahead there didn't you Abraham right? How about that king you lied to? Kinda. And your son Isaac did the same thing. You know what's cool about that story? Abraham lies to King Abimelech over in Egypt and so does Isaac and God blames that king for it because it's a family thing. (laughs) But now it's saying he, what is the deal? Well, there was a little event that happened On a hill outside of Jerusalem, hanging on a cross where a man died for our sins, he was buried, and then he rose again the third day. And because of that, now God only sees you as righteous, as the blessed of God. He has blessed you now and called you his own. Hallelujah. It's good to be on this side of that cross. I like what uh, Hebrews, Hebrews says. Uh, faith, uh, what is it, what's the first thing now faith is the substance of things hoped for the evidence of things not seen I like the second verse for by it, that is by faith, the elders that is those who had gone before us obtained a good testimony See, faith changes your story yeah. faith made everything brand new if you're in him, the old things are gone and the new things have come this is the blessing this is how God sees you now ladies and gentlemen, let me just encourage you to not need to see yourself that way because that's the real way to see yourself take on what God has said command that blessing and don't let the accuser keep lying to you huh you are holy blameless and above reproach in his sight that's what the word of God says in his sight this is how he sees you tonight hallelujah I don't know about you that makes me feel good all over Now, next thing that Balaam says, the Lord his God is with him. Notice notice he's saying, he ain't with you. (laughs) The Lord his God is with him, that is Israel, and the shout of a king is among them. That's that's an interesting phrase there because Israel had no king. God was their king. Now, that must have reverberated terror into the heart of this king and of Moab. Well, if God is their king... We don't have a chance. And he was their king. And he is their king. But the word shout has a twofold purpose, twofold meaning to it. It's really interesting. On one hand, it is an alarm, a battle cry, or a blast of war. And then it also means shout of joy. The shout of the king among you is the shout of joy. The shout of the king to the enemy is an alarm it's a battle cry it is the sound of war that's why you can be confident and take on what the bible says the joy of the lord is your strength at your right hand are pleasures forevermore hallelujah rejoice in the lord always and again i say rejoice because that's the shout of your king today he takes joy in his people he takes pleasure in you tonight 22 God brings them out of Egypt he has strength like a wild ox for there is no sorcery against Jacob nor any divination against Israel in other words nothing that can none of that will prosper against Israel none of that it must be said of Jacob and of Israel oh what God has done just remember whatever you you might be struggling with something tonight I had a pastor tell me years ago, you're either in trouble, you're coming into trouble, or you're coming out of it, (laughs) right? Whatever that struggle may be, understand this, that's the moment where you begin to recall what the Lord has done in your life. Wait a second, wait a second. He was there for me. He was there for me when I was sick. He was there for me when it looked like my my marriage was over. He was there for me when my business had failed. He was there for me when, 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 when I was in that near fatal accident. He was there for me. Because if he has been there for you in my family, he has to be there for you today. Because he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And I'm grateful to God for what he's done in my life. Sometimes in this illogical instruction that comes from the logic of God, sometimes it takes a while to hear the next step. I was on my GPS coming to Curva. I'm on my way here, but I still like to hear the map tell me what to do. Especially when you're by yourself, you feel like you got somewhat of a companion. I mean, she's barking out orders to you, but, you know, it's kind of like being married. <laughs> 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 Hope she doesn't see this. I'm sorry, honey. Uh, send it to her. Oh, great. Especially, like, if you get out in West Texas and you get out there on I 10, just on the other side of Monahans. And you're trying to get to el paso you're not going to hear from your map for a long time it gives you the instruction and then nothing and god is not going to leave you stuck somewhere without the next instruction and maybe you're thinking man i don't know what the next thing is. just keep doing what you're doing he'll let you know because you have the spirit of the living god living inside of you, and the Bible says he will guide you into all truth. He will show you things to come. This is the blessed life that we have. This is the the blessing that Jesus died for us to have. The blessing of Abraham is one in particular that Jesus had to die for us to have it. Think about this. You know, Jesus didn't have to die to make disciples. He had to die to make sons. He had disciples before he died. Matter of fact, lots of religions have disciples. But only Christianity is a transformation into sons. I love that. I'm going to finish with this. Galatians chapter 3 says, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. Having become a curse for us, as it is written, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. That's Galatians 3, 13, verse 14 says that the blessing of Abraham would come upon the curvilites or where else you're from. The blessing of Abraham will come upon the Gentiles in Christ Jesus that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. So I want to say this to you. This blessing of Abraham is not a blessing that's temporary. God said, I'm going to make my covenant with you, and it's going to be an everlasting covenant. And the Bible says if you are Christ, then you are Abraham's seed, and you are heirs according to the promise. He has blessed, and I cannot reverse it. And all the gifts of God, all his gifts, are without repentance. It means God's never going to change his mind about blessing your life. So you might as well get on board and start following those illogical instructions and walk by faith and not by sight so that you continue to enforce, as pastor said, his blessing in your life and the lives around you and ultimately into the earth because God needs his people to live this life so that others can look at you and say, God had to do that. I know you. <laughs> God, God had to do that. Isn't that our testimony? Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. God is good. And the devil can go straight to hell. But not you. Because he has commanded the blessing over you. Father, thank you. Thank you for this incredible moment to be here tonight with this incredibly effective church in this community. The years, the toil, the labor, the sowing, the giving, the work, the commitment. Lord, you see that. And I thank you that you reward them openly, openly. Abundantly, ever increasing, because this is your mission. I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And Lord, we know that this is one of those churches that the gates of hell will not prevail against. But you are building it, a city set on a hill. And I thank you, Father God, for your blessing on pastors Burton and Beck and all these who here in this body that you've called them here. Everyone is here by design. You place members in the body as you see fit. So everyone here is here by purpose. And I pray, God, that they would be united in faith together, united in vision, united in heart. So, Father God, that this light will shine long, long, long way and for a long, long, long time. Thank you for your grace upon gates of the city. Thank you, Lord, for the power of the Holy Spirit and demonstration of the power of God here. This is a place that is a refuge. This is a house of healing. This is a house of miracles. This is a house of faith. And I thank you, Father God, in the days to come that those, the things that are true about this church will will be ramped up in the Spirit. Thank you, Father God. I, I, I see a bubble bursting all around this, this church, a bubble bursting and, 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 and another, another uh, dimension, another brightness, a new brightness of light coming forth. And I thank you, Father God, for that happening. Lord, I'm excited and expecting to hear the reports of what God is doing at Gates of the City in Kerrville, Texas. I thank you, Lord, for your blessing upon this people. I declare that the enemy will have no place to bring division, strife, anything that would would pull the people apart. We say no weapon formed against them will prosper. And every tongue that rises up against them in judgment will be condemned. They are the blessed of God. God has blessed them and it cannot be reversed. In Jesus' name, amen. One last thought here. There was a time when the sins of the father would be visited upon the sons, upon the children. That's the way it was. We would call that a generational curse. But in one moment, Christ redeemed us from the curse. Think about this. What is the greatest generational curse out there? Adam's sin. By one man's sin, all died. If Jesus eradicated that ultimate generational curse, all of them are eradicated. I'm telling you this tonight because you are in a whole new lineage with God. I don't know what your lineage is like. You might've come from a funky family. Huh? A disorderly family. A family that, that fights all kinds of illnesses. and but That doesn't have to be your, your testimony. Because Jesus has redeemed you from that. And I want to encourage you, like Pastor Burt said, you continue to enforce the commanded blessing over your life. And l- keep the blessing in charge. Of your stuff, of what you do, and wherever you go. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Great to be here with you tonight.